The Blue Bloods are here with another loaded episode full of college football content for your Thursday. We start the episode off by talking about which school deserves the title of D-Line U. We then debate which players are the top prospects for the 2021 NFL Draft. And then we move on to discuss which teams in college football realistically have a shot to win the national championship this upcoming season. And we wrap this episode up with another recruiting update, and we focus on Tennessee's hot start on the 2021 recruiting trail. It's about that time, so let's kick it off. The last few episodes, we've been, you know, addressing ESPN's rankings for which school was positioned you for every position since the start of the BCS era. So today we have our fourth installment and we move to the defensive side of the ball where we address defensive line. According to ESPN, Alabama is D-line U, followed by Clemson, Penn State, LSU, and Florida State. Just to reiterate the rules for new listeners or people who might not have caught up yet, we can only take into account defensive linemen from 1999 until this previous year. Um, so, Brandon, which school is D-line you for you and why? Man, this this was down low and dirty. I didn't think that we were going to have to do D-line. Um, ah, man, you, you keep killing me every single episode. Um, I'm going to have to go with Clemson as much as it hurts. Uh, Clemson, to me, just is a perennial powerhouse when it comes to uh, their defensive line. I mean, that's been abundantly clear since they won their um, since they won um, their first national championship in the playoff era. Um, even to now, I mean, even in the future, they just I mean, year after year, it seems like they're hoarding D linemen almost. I mean, all their five stars or not all their five stars, but uh, I mean, they have plenty of five star D line commits. I mean, just since the playoff period alone. Um, and even before that, I mean, they have players like Gaines Adams, uh, Philip Merling, uh, Dexter Lawrence, Kevin Dodd, Shaq Lawson. I mean, that's just to name a few. And, and the list keeps going. Um, I don't know. Clemson, to me, I, I mean, you, you can look at all kind of different positions, you know, and this is kind of my argument for every single, uh, you know, whatever university, just because, I, I mean, that's, that's just true. I mean, when you think about these schools, that's what you think of. When I think of Clemson, that's what really stands out to me. I think their D-line is consistently better than every other position on their team. Uh, but that's not, you know, they're not like just limited to that, if that makes sense. And so Clemson, to me, I mean, their D-line's like a, four, like a brick wall, like a force to be reckoned with. And so that's why I have to go with uh, Clemson for D-line university. Boo. I mean, I have Clemson at three, but I think there's a, clear top two here and i think ohio state has to take d-line you for me uh I don't know about yeah that. yeah alabama has a lot of talent i get that they're number two for me but no one has had a deeper more consistent rotating door at defensive line than ohio state about these past five years i mean brandon in the era we're talking about ohio state has had seven first round picks that were defensive linemen 
That's the most out of any team in the country. And do you, just to put in comparison, Bama's only had three yeah. D-linemen drafted okay. in the first round during this era. And just, you know, how just to put into perspective, I mean, Ohio State has had 19 other defensive linemen drafted between rounds two and seven. That's a total of 26 defensive linemen drafted in in the NFL draft since 1999. That's tied for the most with Alabama, who also had 26. And, you know, you talk about quality of players at Clemson. I think the quality of players is for Ohio State is what separates them. I mean, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Chase Young, Cam Hayward, Vernon Golston, uh, all of those players I would say rival or are better than the players you named for Clemson. And, you know, I was digging through the stats a little bit, and Chase Young, Vernon Golston, and Joey Bosa all rank in the top 50 in single-season sack totals. No Alabama player during this time period was top 50, and I don't believe Clemson had a player in the top 50. And Ohio State has consistently had better D-lines over the past five to seven years than both Alabama and Clemson. Oh, man. Uh, look, and Ohio State was on my list as well. They were also my number three. Um, but yeah, that's, if that's funny to anybody. Um, I definitely hear your argument. I, I see where you're coming from there. It's just to me, that's, you know, I think Ohio State, just has so many other positions where they're, where they're so, you know, which I guess doesn't mean they can't have D line as well, but that's not what I think of when I think of Ohio state, you know, I don't know for Clemson. I mean, that's their one like defining position really. Right. I I don't know. I mean, Clemson's got, has some pretty good linebackers. They've had good wide receivers. I mean, Clemson at quarterback recently has been, pretty outrageous with Deshaun Watson, Taj Boyd, Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant, and they got, what, the number one, number two quarterback in the country last season? I mean, I think Clemson sacked at a lot of positions. And, I mean, I think the thing that holds Clemson back for me is, I mean, really before Dabo Sweeney got there, is there really – was Clemson known for dominating defensive linemen? Not necessarily, but, I mean – you can't take that away from them, even if it's been the past few years. I mean, that was your first argument for Ohio State was the past few years. I mean, you listed the Bosa's, you listed Chase Young. I mean, you listed four players, and those were three of them. Yeah, I, I listed five: Cam Hayward and Vernon Golson. Okay. I, I mean, you come on. Are you really going to discount Cam Hayward and Vernon Golson and act like they weren't <laughs> really good? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the past couple of years is what you were focusing on. Yeah, for sure. But I mean. They also had seven first-round picks during this era. And Clemson had three first-round D-line picks just last year alone. Yeah, just last year. Before that, it was Bowers, and I think that was it. Yeah, okay. Now, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Clemson it, I D-line Something, was good for one year. That there was just one uh, standout that's, year. That's, uh, that's debatable. See, and it's and yeah, they stood out that year. But guess what? They stood out this year. And they're probably going to stand out in the future just because of who they've recruited, you know. And I understand we're looking at, hey, not, whatever, the late 90s to now. But, I mean, we can't look a little bit into the future and say, hey, this team's going to be still D-line you. I mean, Xavier Thomas is a monster. He'll probably be a first-round pick. And I believe we both identified Brian Barisi as, what, probably the – best incoming recruit in this next recruiting class. But then we at the at, at the same time, Ohio State has the number one defensive end committed for this next recruiting cycle. 
So I think they have people coming down the pipeline, and I I think there's going to be someone to step in and take Chase Young's place. I mean, if it weren't the Bosa's, it was Chase Young, and I think that rotating door continues. Yeah, uh, look, and, and I'm not like I said, I'm not here to discount Ohio State. I had them on my list as well. Um, I just, I you know, there are certain factors that make Clemson the number one team to me. Uh, so, I mean, what do you think about ESPN ranking Alabama as defensive line? You neither of us picked them. You had Clemson, who was number two on the list, and Ohio State was six or seven, I believe. And I have them as D line. You, I mean, what do you think that? What do you think put Alabama over the top here in this in these rankings? <laughs> to be to be completely honest with you, I don't know. Um, they weren't. They weren't. I mean, they were on my list. They just weren't like they weren't one, two, or three on my list. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've had some good D lines. Don't I mean? Don't I'm not going to discount them. But do they deserve to be number one? I don't think so. I don't even think they deserve to be two or three. I have them at two. I mean, you can't discount players like Quentin Williams recently, and even going back when you know you think of when Saban first got there, those defensive lines were dangerous. And I mean. I get it because, I mean, they tied Ohio State with the most D-line picks in this era with 26. They just didn't have the first-round success that Ohio State did. That's why I gave Ohio State the nod, the nod here. But I, And I got Clemson at three, so I'm not discounting Clemson. And, you know, another team I consider was LSU. I think LSU might be a tad bit underrated and overlooked in terms of D-line. I mean, think of someone like Glenn Dorsey. I mean, Glenn Dorsey was probably the most dominant defensive tackle in that era that he played at LSU. Yeah, he, he, he almost won the Heisman Trophy as a defensive lineman. That's, that's pretty oh, stout. Yeah. I mean, as a defensive pretty. tackle. I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, in, in recent history, if I, I think that if there were – if you have to look at the past 15 years or 20 years um, at defensive players who could have won the Heisman, I think that Chase Young and Glenn Dorsey are the only two, you know, the, the, the two that stand out. And that's impressive from a uh, – don't don't disrespect my boy Nadama Kasu like that I, you know I don't I don't I think that other two had a better chance did Nadama Kasu finish second didn't he yes but he I mean it was a different year you know you have different players year that's to true year. you're telling me that yeah I was he got beat out by Mark he got beat out by Mark Ingram I, mean, I think doesn't matter. I think I think Nadama Kasu had a better chance of beating Mark Ingram than Chase Young did Joe Burrow. That yeah, but how how well do you think that Chase Young would have finished if he were going up against Mark Ingram that year? I don't think he would have beat Mark Ingram. I think Mark Ingram had that Heisman. I don't think so either. But I think that he might have gotten closer than Nadama Kasu. I mean, I'm, I, obviously we don't know. It's it's two different periods of time, and I feel like we're getting way off the track right now, Zach. But we, we're getting a little a little off track here, but. Yeah, so <laughs> I got Ohio State. Brandon's got Clemson. We're gonna move. We're gonna move on here before you know we start changing the topic to Heisman debates and all this. But you know the 2020 NFL draft just ended Saturday. But you, we we know you guys don't have any sports content for the foreseeable future right now. Um, and so we thought, what a perfect time for a 2021 NFL draft preview from your favorite podcast, the blue bloods. Um, you know, this kind of got started cause you know, we, me and Brandon both were going through these mock drafts that people were releasing. And one that stuck out to me was Matt Miller of bleacher report released his way too early mock draft for next season. And I would say it was questionable to say the least. Um, 
Brad, I don't know if you saw this one, but he had yeah, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence going like third. Yeah. Third. Behind an O-line and a wide receiver. A wide receiver that Brandon probably would take number one if he had the chance in Jamar Chase. But he also had Justin Fields going 13th after he had Trey Lance out of North Dakota State University going fourth as the second quarterback off the board. This let me and Brandon kind of talk, and we're we're going to lay out our top five prospects for next year's draft class. And, of course, because, you know, we love you guys, we're going to go snake draft style. Just to preview, I think we caught Brandon a little bit off guard before the show. We can pick the same player. We're not projecting how the NFL teams are going to perform. That's way, way too early to do that. So we're just going to rank – our personal top five prospects right now for next year's draft. So Brandon, kick it off. Who is your number five prospect for next year's draft? Oh, uh, see, that threw me off, Zach. That threw me off bad because I thought we were gonna start at number one. All right, number five. Let's let's get it. Uh my number five player is going to be a running back, um, which might surprise a lot of people. Run like, you know, if you watched any of the live stream, if you even listen to me talk on the podcast, you know, the episode before or after, you heard me talk about how running back stock um has just dropped just off the charts it's almost non-existent running backs just don't get paid anymore past their rookie contract um but i think that this running back's kind of a different story um travis Etienne out of clemson has to be uh number five on my big board right now um jesus christ he, was, he took my number five we'll, we'll get this build yeah. off this together he's also at five for me let's go ahead and do it then um and then you get four but uh you know he 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 is a force to be reckoned with um and he's exactly what NFL teams are looking for right now. You know, he's he's the type of running back um, that can run it down your throat, but also can line up at slot receiver and catch passes. And that's exactly what the NFL is shifting toward. Um, and I think that makes him a huge asset. You know, over his three years at Clemson so far, uh, he already has over 4,000 yards rushing. You know, he has two consecutive 1,600-yard rushing seasons. Um, you know, obviously he had that big sophomore year where he rushed for 24 touchdowns. Um, and, and over his career, he has, uh, how many does he have? He has 56 total touchdowns or 56 rushing touchdowns. That's just insanity. Plus six, uh, receiving touchdowns. This is going to be a player that's going to compete, um, for the Heisman trophy this year, I think. And he's definitely going to be a big asset to an NFL team. Yeah. I echo everything Brandon just said. I think he's the best running, running back prospect we've seen since Zeke when Zeke came out of Ohio State. I mean, Etienne is explosive. He has a pass-catching threat. He has the speed, physicality, the football IQ to be a real problem. I mean, you know, if when when you play in the ACC behind Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence gets all this fame and attention and everything for – I mean, people forget this kid has won the ACC Player of the Year two years in a row. Yeah. Over the quarterback that gets all the shine, and – Brandon, he's already the career leader in touchdowns from scrimmage for the conference with 62. That's crazy. And that's 16th in the NCAA. He needs 26 total touchdowns next year to to take the lead all time. And I think he makes a run at it between pass catching and running. Uh, Keenan Reynolds out of Navy right now holds that record. I think I think you know Etienne makes a big run at it. Like Brandon and said. And it's not like he can't do it either. I mean, his his sophomore year, you know, the year I mentioned, when he had 24 rushing touchdowns, he had two receiving touchdowns. That was 26. I mean, exactly. he's done it before. Yeah. And and with T. Higgins going, I think he's going to be a lot bigger in the passing games, in, in the passing game for Clemson this year. And 
I want to echo something Brandon said and just kind of give you guys a heads up. Do I think Etienne goes fifth overall? Probably not. But do I think he's the fifth best player? I do. I mean, uh, running backs are a huge risk. and But at the same time, Etienne's never had over 200 and about 230 touches in a year. I mean, put that in perspective. Jonathan Taylor had like 300 three years in a row. So... He he gets he he seems to be durable. He's not being worn down by this Clemson offense where he just runs throughout the tackle constantly. I think Etienne is going to be just fine in the NFL. And I think if I had to compare him to somebody, so as we all know, everyone was high on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, especially the Chiefs taking on first round. Etienne for me is a bigger, more explosive. Claude Edwards Hilaire, and that is the exact type of running back, the the prototype running back that the NFL is looking for. So I think at the end, a team could reach this high, but I really, he's going to go probably top 15, but I don't know if he'll go fifth. Yeah, I, I'd honestly be shocked if he went top 15, unless he makes that run at the Heisman, like I mentioned. Um, like I said, I mean, teams just aren't, they don't need running backs right now. There's so many running backs they can pick up on the on the free agent market. I mean, look at Todd Gurley, you know, he just signed the contract with, with Atlanta um, after he got cut from the Rams. And so it's, I don't know, it's running backs. Their stock is dropping, but if there is a running back in this draft, that's going to go first round. It's going to be Travis Etienne. Zach. So why don't you go ahead and hit us with your number four? Yeah. As much as this makes me want to throw up a little bit, I have an Alabama player here for, uh, I think there's going to be a run on wide receivers next year. This is my top wide receiver for this upcoming class, and that's Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. Um, This may come as as somewhat a surprise. I think it's going to come down to Waddell and Jamar Chase for who's the best wide receiver in the country. But I think Jamar Chase, even though he may be a little bit more talented, I think he's going to be hurt by Joe Burrow leaving and Joe Brady's offense also leaving. So I'm going to go with Waddell here. So I think he was stuck behind Jerry Judy last season. I, I don't think me nor Brandon have been shy about how much we like Jerry Judy, but I'm here to say I've seen Waddle play in person multiple times. I think he is a more explosive Jerry Judy. He has similar route running abilities, just as physical. He's just faster. I saw one scout say that he's a he is the combina- he's the perfect combination of Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, which should make everyone. Super nervous. I mean, Brandon, how scary does that sound? If you if I said I can make you a player that's that has Jerry Judy's route running with Henry Ruggs' speed, uh, that's pretty scary. That's terrible. And in, uh, another thing that's going to add to Waddle's value for me is special teams. He averaged twenty five yards per return on punt returns and thirty five yards per kick return. I, that's right. only that's only going to make them even more valuable because a lot of these teams do want these young players to come in and play special teams. I expect Waddle Mania next season in Tuscaloosa. I think he's. I think Jalen Waddle has the ability to go down as the best wide receiver in Alabama history, and I'm looking for Jalen Waddle to set the NCAA on fire next season. And I think he's the fourth best player in the top wide receiver in this next year's class. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't agree with that, but yeah, for sure. Um, so let's going to move on to my number four. Uh, at number four, I have uh, Panay Sewell um, out of Oregon. He's a tackle. Uh, I was talking to Zach before this, trying to look up his stats. Offensive linemen don't have stats. I don't know how I forgot about that. Uh, I just I was having a moment. But yeah, so I don't really have a lot to talk about here because there's no stats. I mean, he's he's a uh, he's a big guy who can move. I'll say that. 
Um, and there's a reason I think that Justin Herbert was able to do so well at Oregon, not to discount him whatsoever, but I think that he had NFL talent in front of him on that line. Um, and that was, that was, uh, led by Panay Sewell. And so that's why I have it at number four. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and move on to my number three since we're doing snake. I, I get lost in the snake a lot. So, uh, this, that's a little disclaimer. Uh, my number you, three you, player you in the did, country. You, you did well there. I'll give you that. Thank you. I, I like that. Uh, my number three player on my big board uh, for next year's draft. I'm going to go ahead and take a quarterback here. Um, I've got I've got Justin Fields. Um, just I mean, we all saw what he did this past season with Ohio State. Uh, just what? How would you describe it, Zach? Beautiful, uh, amazing. I mean, one interception. Yeah, one interception. Uh, well. One interception until okay. the playoff well, game. Well, well, one interception until the last play of the season, but we'll, we'll give him a break. His wide receiver literally fell down and would have been right where he threw it if it wasn't for him slipping. But 41, 41 touchdowns. That's passing. That's 41 passing touchdowns this season. Um, and then he had 10 rushing touchdowns this season. That's, I mean, that's 51 touchdowns. I mean, that's right up there with Joe Burrow this season. It's just... People didn't talk about that enough, I don't think. Uh, a very good quarterback, and this is only his sophomore season, you know. Uh, and, and of course, we are assuming that there are players that are going to commit uh, to the draft. Obviously, Zach has his, uh, um, has his theory that, that Trevor Lawrence is going to stay all four years, things like that. But uh, so this is assuming that these players that are good enough to go to the NFL do go. And I think that uh, Justin Fields is going to end up being the third best available player uh, in next year's draft. I like that pick. I mean, okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll also preface that. I do have juniors that could have potentially come out ranked here. Um, and my number three player is one of those players. And, and I know for a fact Brandon's not going to have him on his list. I know for a fact you probably might not even know who I'm talking about. And that's Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, the defensive end. I have him as my number three player on my big board right now. And I think he's the most overlooked prospect in the draft. And he has an argument to be... If it wasn't for one player in particular, he could be the number one player in this draft. And, I mean, as a redshirt freshman last year, he had 15 and a half sacks, Brandon, in only 14 games. And I think he makes a run at 20 sacks next season. I mean, Miami got Quincy Roche across from him. Who are you stopping? I mean, Brandon, if I told you right now, you could have a 6'7", 255-pound defensive end who just who – just all was one sack behind leading the country behind Chase Young as a red shirt freshman. Would you take that? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, he's six seven two fifty five. Guys, that was his last measurements coming out of Miami. This makes him. I think this is the most physically dominating, physically just outrageous player to come out of defensive end since Miles Garrett. I think he's Miles Garrett with more aggression, if that can even make any sense to some people. I think he's an immediate contributor in the NFL. I think he's the next great defensive end. And Brandon, hear me out here. I'm going to make a real bold claim on the podcast, guys. You guys can write it down. The next defensive player to make a run at the Heisman is Gregory Rousseau this year. I, I will put whatever it takes. I think Rousseau winds up in New York and finishes second or third in the Heisman voting because he makes such a run at, at defensive line this year. I think he breaks 20 sacks. I think he makes a run at the ACC NCAA record. I think Gregory Rousseau is that type of talent. And when 
Miami stacks that defensive line, I think there's no stopping either Quincy Rush or Gregory Rousseau. So I think he's going to fall in the draft due to quarterback fever, as we always see. I mean, there's, I mean, Chase Young probably was a better prospect than Joe Burrow, but quarterback's most valuable position. We've seen this happen repeatedly where players like this fall because of quarterbacks. Gregory Rousseau is one of the best players in this upcoming draft if he declares. And if he doesn't, I, I can't even imagine what's going to happen. But yeah, 6'7", 255 is a redshirt, uh, redshirt sophomore this upcoming season. I think Rousseau sets the league on fire. Yeah, that's a bold claim, but we'll, we'll you know, everyone talks about Miami's defensive line this upcoming season, um, and I think that he could be a real threat. Uh, who's your number two? Yeah, number two, I got a player Brandon already mentioned. I got Panay Suwell, um, out of Oregon, offensive line. Unlike Brandon, I did my research here. I do have some stuff to list for you guys. You have stats. Um, you have I do. Stats. I do. Um, and you know, for me, Suwell is probably one of the best o- offensive line prospects in recent memory. I mean, I think he is going to be an immediate starter. He's already six six three thirty and has the athleticism to be a major problem. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He won the Outland Trophy this year. He was a unanimous first-team All-American. Brandon, he was the Pac-12 co-player of the year as an offensive lineman. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And, guys, this is the stat that matters. I was I couldn't wait. I was I wrote this down in my notes. I was like, ooh, this is going to get everybody. Brandon, he played just under 1,000 snaps this year. He allowed no sacks. Jeez, dude. He allowed I'm two. You, he's, he's he's the reason that Justin Herbert had so much time in the pocket this year. He I mean, only allowed two pressures and just under a thousand snaps. Two, two pressures. Yeah. It, and it's crazy. His freshman year, I believe he only allowed two sacks as a true freshman. I mean, the, this kid is everything you look for in an offensive line prospect. He's smart. He's talented. He's down to earth. He's just a good prospect overall uh, he's going to be one of those prospects that when you hear people like mel kuyper and everyone analyze these prospects there's not going to be one person that has anything bad to say about this kid and i'm excited whatever team gets him is going to be a game changer um in the mock draft the Bengals were here drafting suel and i don't think joe burrow could be more excited for a pick no that would be nuts um so i'm gonna go ahead and continue with my number two pick overall and go ahead and get your booze ready, uh, everybody. Uh, my number two is Trevor Lawrence. Just kidding. No, it's not. Uh, my number two is Jamar Chase out of LSU. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why. Oh, that's not even what you should have been booing. You should have been booing the Lawrence pick. This is so stupid. I think that Jamar Chase is going – like you said, I, I think it comes down to Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase uh, for the best wide receiver in the country this upcoming season. And I think that Chase has a serious chance to uh, – uh, to take that crown. Um, you know, obviously both LSU and Alabama have kind of uncertainties at the quarterback position right now. I mean, I guess Mac Jones is probably the quarterback for Alabama this upcoming season. Um, but what games did we see him play? I mean, we saw him do well in what, where he did play. Um, and we still don't know what Miles Brennan's made of. You know, he's played in, you know, it, when LSU was up by 40 points. So um, we'll see both of these players, but it's hard to argue. I mean, he averages 20 yards a catch over his career, Zach. Uh, he has 23 total touchdowns, 20 of those coming this past season. Um, and, and I don't know, there, there's something about this kid, you know, 1,780 yards this past season, just about 2,100 over his career and 84 receptions last season. Uh, I mean, he, he had, he had nearly 22 yards per catch this past season. Um, I don't know. I, 
obviously don't think he does as well uh, this upcoming season, but I think that his sophomore season really, uh, really cemented him here um, as number two overall player uh, in the 2021 draft, just because teams are going to be able to see what they can do with a good quarterback. They're going to be able to see what kind of, uh, what kind of receiver they're really going to get with a pro level quarterback. And I, you know, I think that Jamar Chase thrives in the NFL. Um, and on to number one, I already prefaced it. It's Trevor Lawrence. How could it not be Trevor Lawrence? Um, Zach and I have talked about it a lot on this podcast. Probably the best quarterback pro, uh, um, prospect we've seen since who? Peyton Manning. Um, I don't know. It, it, this, there's something special about this kid. He's just, I mean, you want to talk about a prototy- uh, prototypical quarterback. He's who you go on on NCAA 14 and create as your creative player. Um you know, he's, he's big and he's going to get bigger probably this season. Um, and then he's going to get even bigger in the off season once he gets drafted and teams know that. I mean, he, what is he? He's like six, six. Yeah. Huge. Six, six, two thirty. Yeah. He, I mean, and he, they're going to put some mass on him. I, I would be willing to bet he'll be around two forty, two fifty when he gets to the NFL. Um, he, he's a big guy and he can move too. That's the thing. Um, I don't feel like I need to really be defending Trevor Lawrence right now. I think he's he's probably the best uh, draft prospect in the past 10 years. Yeah, I also have Trevor Lawrence. Do I think he's going to come out? Eh, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, for right now, I have Trevor Lawrence as one. I will update my opinion depending on if he declares or not. But like Brandon said, man, I mean, 6'6", 230. Brandon, he runs a 4'6". Yeah, it's nuts. I mean... He has the arm strength, the accuracy to be a demon when he gets to the NFL. I mean, two straight seasons over 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, only 12 interceptions. And, Brandon, you know what the biggest thing for me is? What's that? You can't teach a player how to be a winner. He has one loss in college, and I believe he only had two in high school. His entire high school career. Three losses since the ninth grade. It's pretty good, I guess. Uh, it, I, it doesn't get much winner than that. I mean, maybe a player out of, you know, De La Salle back in the day when they went on, what, the 160-game win streak. But like Brandon said, it's the most complete prospect since Peyton Manning. Andrew Luck has some questions coming out of Stanford. I can't think of a question about Trevor Lawrence. If I'm a GM and you have the number one pick, I don't care if you drafted Joe Burrow next year. I mean, last year. I don't care if your starter's Russell Wilson, if stuff goes south for the Seahawks. You draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's how good this kid is. I mean, right now, Brandon, this might sound outrageous. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence over every single quarterback in the NFL outside of Pat Mahomes right now. Really? I'm taking him over Aaron Rodgers at 90. I'm taking him over Drew Brees. I'm taking him. I'm taking him. Maybe not Tom Brady. I mean, let's not disrespect the goat like that. But I mean, can you name a quarterback that you would take right now the NFL over him? I mean, outside of Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. (laughs) No, no, there's not one. There's really not. I mean, think about the young quarterbacks in the NFL right now outside of Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking him over Jimmy G. I'm taking yeah, him over I mean, Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, I'm taking I'm taking him over Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. I'm taking him over Ryan Tannehill. I mean, could you Trevor, could you imagine Trevor Lawrence in Carolina with Joe Brady? With Joe Brady? Nah, that's a, that's yeah. a wrap, bro. That's a wrap. I mean, I I, I wish like I, I mean I hope he ends up in a good situation like that. But so in this mock draft, the Bengals got the first pick again, which. 
let me just preface this. I don't think the Bengals are going to have the number one pick again. But if they did, I'm sorry, you got to trade Joe Burrow, right? I mean, as much as you're an LSU fan and you love Joe Burrow, you cannot tell me Joe Burrow is better than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, no, I mean, I literally just said he's the best prospect we've seen overall for the past 10 years. Best quarterback prospect since Manning. And, man, it, it, this guy is the real deal. And that's exactly, you know, the first when you mentioned that you don't care if it's the Bengals. The first time I was like, yeah, what would the Bengals do? They'd, they'd probably trade Joe Burrow. They'd have to. I mean, no, how, what would you – okay, so if you, if the Bengals do get it, do you know the offers they're going to get for that number one pick? Oh, my gosh. I mean, think about – I guess not a lot of the offers have been made public, but think about the offers they got this year for Joe Burrow. Those just – what are they? They double for, for Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. I, I really think you could see a team make the dumbest move ever like the Saints did when they traded their entire draft for Ricky Williams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people, I say people are going to sell their souls for Trevor Lawrence's next draft, but you know, I can't wait for this draft. I can't wait for this next season. But for right now, we're going to move on, and you know, it's almost May now. It's coming around, and the college football season is quickly approaching. Hopefully, and you know, experts are going to begin previewing the next season very soon. Um, we are too, but for right now, Bill Bender from Sporting News came on the Paul Feinbaum show today, actually, and made a little bit of waves. Uh, Bender said there is only five schools with a realistic shot at winning the national title next season. Um, the teams he named were Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and LSU. Um, Brandon, what do you think about this take that these are the only five schools that can actually win the title? And how many teams do you actually give a realistic shot at winning the championship next season? Oh man, I'm gonna need you to run those teams back to me real quick before I before I before I make a fool of myself. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and LSU. Okay. Well, as much as I would love LSU to be in this conversation for national champion this upcoming season. That's just not going to happen. You know, as much as I would love that to happen, I, it just won't. Um, Georgia, maybe. I think the other four are possibilities for sure. So let's go ahead and uh, skip over those. I have a few more teams that I think have a realistic shot of uh, of winning the national title this upcoming season. Um, oh man, Zach, I believe that we pro- might have a sa- uh, one of the same teams here um, in Florida, and so. Yeah. Yep. It's gonna it's gonna pain me to talk about it. So why don't you why don't you take the wheel? Yeah, I so I have ten. I agree, I agree with the four that he listed above, and I have six more. But yeah, Florida is definitely one of them. I think the SEC is gonna the SEC East is gonna come down to one game in Jacksonville, Florida, between Georgia and Florida. I think Florida has more returning talent, so I can see them squeaking it out. I mean, Brandon. So you know, we've talked about some of their losses, but. Well, Michael Piron at running back is a big loss, but they're replacing Piron with a five-star transfer, Lorenzo Lingard, and they have Kyle Pitts and Trayvon Grimes returning at tight end and wide receiver. That's going to lead a loaded offense on top of Kyle Trask returning. And the defense already has pretty a pretty large amount of talent, but now five-star transfer defensive end Brenton Cox is finally eligible and will step in at that defensive end role 
you know, left by Jonathan uh, Grenard. I mean, and the biggest thing for Florida is the schedule. It's perfect for a real run at the national title. LSU has to come to the swamp. They switched their SEC West game, which was Auburn last season, with a rebuilding Ole Miss team. They get the neutral side at Georgia, of course. But outside of that, they really don't have that tough of a schedule. So I think the the Florida Gators have a real shot at the national title. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, as much as it hurts to talk about. Um, I hate Florida. But if you also look at their schedule, um, is that something that you looked at when you made this decision, Zach? Yeah, I, I, I just said that. I mean, LSU's got to come to the swamp. Auburn gets swapped out with Ole Miss, and I think that helps them tremendously in making a run. Yeah, that was something that I based a lot of my picks off of. Um, so I won't talk anymore about Florida. Uh, save myself a little bit here. But another team that I think, look, and it might be kind of out there, um, but that's what I'm in the business of. I'm in the business of hot takes. Another team I could realistically see uh, making it to the playoff and potentially making a championship run, um, I'm going to have to say Minnesota this year. That's my underdog. Um, I already picked them. Look at their schedule, Zach. Look at their schedule. Florida Atlantic, Tennessee Tech. I mean, and these are all at home, by the way. I mean, the ones I'm listing – Tennessee Tech, Iowa, and BYU all at home. You know who they have to go on the road for, Zach? They have to go on the road for Maryland. They have to go on the road for Illinois, Michigan State, and Nebraska. And then there's the one game that I think really decides uh, who's going to play um, Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, and that's against Wisconsin in Madison. Um, That's a tough game. Which leads me to my next point, Wisconsin. Um, another team that I think has a realistic shot. And that's also because, I mean, and by the way, both these teams are returning all kind of talent. I mean, these teams didn't have, obviously, Wisconsin had uh, Zach Braun go to the NFL. Um, Jonathan Taylor's gone. But Wisconsin has a stable of running backs. And that's just, that's how they always are. Um, but both of these teams have a realistic shot if they can get past Ohio State in the Big Ten. Um, and... I don't know. Wisconsin just doesn't have a game. I see them losing besides that, besides maybe um, that Minnesota game. And they have them at home. You know, they play Notre Dame uh, in October, the very beginning of October. That's going to be a tough one, but it's in Wisconsin again. Um, They play at Maryland. They play at Michigan. Michigan's a bunch of scrubs. Zach will back me up there. Uh, And then they have to play at Iowa for the last game of the season, which might be another iffy one. But Wisconsin, I mean, talent year in, year out. They're returning both quarterbacks, you know, regardless of who plays. I think that uh, Graham Mertz is better. But regardless of who plays, I think they're a serious contender this upcoming season. I don't think either of them are there yet. I think Wisconsin losing Zach Braun, Quintez Cephas, they have an average quarterback and losing Jonathan Taylor. I don't see it happening. Minnesota still needs a little bit more talent. They lost probably their best wide receiver. They lost Antone Winfield Jr., they lost some. I think they lost too much talent for right now. If I so, I of course I have Ohio State in there. I've already said that. My other Big Ten team, I think it's going to be Penn State with a real shot. I think James Franklin can never be overlooked. He's won eleven or more games three of the last four seasons. And Brandon, looking at their schedule, they avoid the cross you know division matchup against Wisconsin and Minnesota. They yeah. they avoid drawing them. So they just have to get through that Ohio State game, and they get that game at home. And I just don't—I don't see them beating Ohio State. That's the thing. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I, I think 
outside of Ohio State, I don't see a team that really scares me. I think, you know, Michigan is Michigan, and, you know, it's going to be that whiteout at home against Ohio State, and you never know. And Micah Parsons is going to lead a stag defense, and they're returning, I believe it's nine starters on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm, yeah, I'm, but <laughs> you say they're returning nine starters. I mean, they who, who's their quarterback, Zach? Sean Clifford. Whack. Uh, it's just it's not going to happen. Yeah, and who's the quarterback for um, Wisconsin, Brandon? Uh, Jack Cohn. Yeah, I think whack. he's better than I think he's better than Sean Clifford. It's debatable. Uh, well, I I know for a fact Graham Mertz is better. Okay, because Graham Mertz isn't playing. We we can only hope. We can only hope. But for another team, I think Brandon also has this team on his list, and it's Oregon. I think it's the only Pac-12 team with a chance. I mean, and like I said, Penn State returns nine offensive starters. Oregon returns nine defensive starters, and both of their departures are being replaced with top ten players at linebacker, both five stars in Sewell and Flo. And their offensive line, we've already highlighted Panay Suwell. They've returned four starters with over 177 career starts. And the biggest loss is Justin Herbert. But Tyler Shaw, who's coming in, is going to be the new quarterback. Probably has, in my opinion, more raw talent than Justin Herbert had coming in. And I think his ceiling is a lot higher than Justin Herbert's is. Um, and I think Mario Cristobal has built up a strong program up there in Eugene, and I think they're going to go undefeated, and I I really think they're going to make a run at the playoffs. Yeah, no, that's – look, if if there's a team in the Pac-12 who's going to do it, it's them. Do I think they're realistically going to? Maybe not. I had them on my list, like Zach said, um, because I do think they are a real contender. I mean, I think that, I think that O-line uh, led by Sewell is – I mean, unstoppable. You know, they they they, they uh, elevate themselves to having one of the best offensive lines in the country, um, and, and that's a key. Yeah, that's a key. That's a key to success for an offense. Um, so I think they definitely win the Pac-12. Uh, and you know, you anytime you win your conference, you have a shot to make the playoff, and you have a shot at the national championship. Well, and their schedule gets helped out. I don't know if people keep people keep forgetting this. Ohio State plays Oregon in Oregon the second week of the season. If Oregon wins that game, their ticket's booked. If they win out after beating Ohio State, they're in regardless. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, so, yeah, we'll see there. But um, I would say my other team, Oklahoma, that wasn't listed. But, Brent, I don't think we have to say much about Oklahoma. As long as Lincoln Riley's coaching there and he has himself a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, can we count Oklahoma out? We can't. And I I had Oklahoma on my list as well. I didn't think that was necessarily a team I had to talk about just because they're uh, perennial contenders. Yeah, as of right now, anyway. (laughs) Exactly. And my two dark horses, I think Brandon knows what's about to come. Um, I have North Carolina and Oklahoma State. See, you're going to make fun of me for Minnesota and Wisconsin, and you're going to come out of the bag with North Carolina. North Carolina has a chance. They play UCF and Auburn the first two weeks of the season. If they win those two games, I want you to look at their schedule and tell me what game they lose. They aren't going to lose to Auburn. or I'm sorry, they, they are going to lose to Auburn. Um, 
and I think there's a decent chance they lose to UCF with a with a healthy quarterback this time around. Stop it! Stop it right what? now! You are you are way too high on North Carolina. We have to we have to do something about it. Zach Zach got into some bad stuff, guys, and uh, he he's having a he's having a moment on the podcast. It seems. How are you? What okay? What is UNC missing? <laughs> look, I don't care. They could have they could have every single they could have the top twenty players in the country on their team. And yeah, I think they make a shot at it, but I don't think they win because guess what? It's UNC football, Zach. No, okay, I'm not saying they're and, 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 I'm not I'm not saying they're gonna win the national championship. I'm saying they have a shot because they're most likely what? they're they're going to get to the ACC championship with one, maybe two losses. And face Clemson. Uh, we are taking a sound bite right now, and whoever Zach, we need to make a bet on this. Like not not like a monetary bet. We need to make some kind of bet though, and we need to have the people hold us responsible. Uh, there's no chance. Okay, no I, I, I will I will put money. You can sound bite me, North Carolina. We are not betting. We're not betting money. We're betting something though. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll lay that out, but. The only games I'm worried about for North Carolina are Auburn and Miami. That's you it. Just, you just said UCF. You they play UCF on the road, but they're going to beat UCF said, by multiple touchdowns. Oh my god! Okay, Zach. UCF is not that good, Brandon. They're not that good, but they're better than North Carolina. That's not true. That's literally not true in the slightest. Not literally, okay. Zach, we're going to make a bet. The people are going to get what they want. They're going to see one of us suffer. Um, so All right. We'll do that. We'll, we will do that. But Oklahoma State's my other team. Uh, Brandon, I don't want to hear it. You know how good Chuba Hubbard is. No, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you on Oklahoma State. Okay. So, so you're cool with Oklahoma State being on this list. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think – they're not on my list. I'll put it that way. But I'm, I'm not – nearly as upset as I was about North Carolina. I think that you, you, I don't know. I don't know what you've been doing. You've been uh, North Carolina. Something about it. It's so wide open. It's the last dance. That's what, that's what it is. Zach's been getting really into the last dance. He saw Jordan in that, in that UNC uniform. And ever since he's just been all over them. I, I just, I want you to tell me one reason that Zach, th- we're not they on can't. I already told you they're UNC. That's why. Uh, and Sam Howell's not as good as you think he is. Okay, bet. I I cannot wait till he throws for over four thousand yards this season. I can't. Oh, look. I we're making a bet. I need I need to be smarter about my bets. I I've started to realize that. Um, I need to be smart. So I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna sleep on it, and then we're gonna make a bet on this off the air, and then we'll we'll tell everybody about it so they can hold us accountable. If you guys have a something that you'd like to see us bet, let us know. Comment when we post this episode, whatever. Hit us up in the DMs. What do you want to see us bet over UNC season? Uh, well, the, UNC's upcoming season. Um, I'm very, very high on them. Brandon apparently thinks UCF is better, even though we saw what happened when he had UCF ranked seventh last year, and they lost to multiple teams, actually. Since the pit, I mean... It's fine though. It's fine. Uh, do you have any other teams on your list, Brandon? Because now I'm upset. No, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'm done with this podcast altogether. Really. 
<laughs> Guys, this, this is just turning into the UNC and Taysom Hill podcast. Uh, that, that's a real debate, but we're going to move on to our last segment of the day. Uh, you know, we did our first two recruiting updates a few episodes ago. Go check those out. Available everywhere. Shameless plug in the middle of the episode. Uh, we talked about Ohio State's red-hot start on the recruiting trail. We talked about UNC stealing four-star quarterback Drake May from Alabama. We bring you guys another update here on the trail, but this time I never thought we'd be talking about Knoxville, Tennessee during this segment. I don't think Brandon did either, but the Tennessee Volunteers are on fire on the recruiting trail. They currently have the number five recruiting class in the country, number two in the SEC behind the Florida Gators. Jeremy Pruitt is going absolutely crazy on the recruiting trail. Lanny recruits in the past week from Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. And Brandon, I got to know, what do you make of Tennessee's class right now? And what is Pruitt doing to build this strong program in Knoxville? I'll be honest with you, man. I, I don't know. Um, and I, I've, I've had many a sleepless night trying to figure this one out. Uh, I think they're the real deal. And I think that Tennessee is going to be very good in years to come. Um, obviously they, they snatched that five-star recruit just away, um, uh, in the past few days. Um, I don't know. I, I think that Tennessee finally has a head coach that they can, uh, that they can get behind is what's happening. Um, and I think that there's a lot more support into the, coming into this program right now. Uh, I won't say what kind of support. I don't want to get like flagged or like, I don't want like a cease and desist letter here, uh, for talking about something I shouldn't be talking about. But anyway, there's there's higher powers than I is what I'm getting at. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of support for this Tennessee program right now, and I think that I think that not only are the fans and the boosters getting really high on Jeremy Pruitt, I think that a lot of uh, I think that a lot of players are also recognizing what he's building there. I think he, there's some I think there's a certain culture that I mean I right now it's just the groundwork. Right now it's just the foundation that's being built. But Tennessee, in years to come, I'm telling you, they're going to be a, they're going to be good. Yeah, I agree. I think they've already been pretty good, right? I mean, people well, forget historically, they, they, yeah, they've been pretty good. But I mean, if you want to talk about the past ten years, have they been good? Well, I meant like the end of last year, they went on a, they went on a run. They beat Auburn and Jordan Hare Pruitt's first year. I mean, they've been going in the right direction i mean they had a comeback win over indiana in their bowl game i think it was the tax slayer bowl the gator bowl whatever you want to call it but you know i kind of highlighted what happened brandon kind of did too in the intro uh three big recruits kind of calls us to have this segment here is where tennessee is skyrocketed they first got Kamar Wilcoxon, a four-star safety. Brandon loves the school. He's out of the IMG Academy, a top 300 player. He's a safety with 4-4 speed, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's very it's fast. He, he I mean, almost, the, he's almost as fast as that guy at the NFL fan experience. <laughs> Had to call him out there. But guys, IMG developed some serious talent, and – I think this kid's going to come even further up in the rankings. They got him. They got him out of Florida. I mean, I mean, for Tennessee to be reaching into Florida like this, this is a kid that would most likely go to Florida State, Miami, the Florida Gators. But going to Tennessee and speaking of that, they then they got Julian Nixon, four-star wide receiver, out of Georgia, out of Roswell, Georgia, and 
he should be an instant starter in Knoxville. He's a possession wide receiver. He has all right speed, but Brandon's already talked about how much speed's overrated here. He's a top 25 player in the probably the deepest state in the country in talent, which is Georgia right now. I mean, some of the best players in the country are coming out of Georgia right now, and I think it's rivaling, you know, being above California in terms of just pure talent coming out of it. Yeah, it's crazy the way that Georgia's turned around the past few years, and not really turned around, but they've always sort of been toward the top. But it's crazy the way that they have just been elevated. Um, another player I want to talk about, you know, you, you mentioned Julian Nixon out of out of Georgia. Um, they 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 also have Jordan Mosley out of Mobile, Alabama. Um, yep. And that I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know how you reach down to Mobile because to get to Mobile. From, from Knoxville, you have to go through – well, you don't have to go through, but you have to pass, I mean, schools like LSU, Alabama, um, uh, LSU, Alabama, Auburn. I mean, there's there's so many uh, there's so many um, schools that he, this kid could have looked at. I mean, he's a four-star wide receiver. You know, he's not – it's not like he's not getting offers. Um, so, they, I don't know. It, it, I don't know what they're doing. They also, got a, they, they also got a kid out of UMS – out of Mobile too, did they? That's uh, yeah. I knew that actually. I actually, a safety, another yeah, safety. I, not to brag, I, I know him, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <me>. <laughs> I'll get him on the pod. Um, yeah, but the, yeah, uh, t- Tennessee's doing something right, and I think you know what? I'm gonna launch my own investigation. I'm gonna I'm gonna release a documentary about this. Uh, we're gonna be filmmakers, guys. We're not only podcasters. Now we are also in the documentary business. Yeah, and you know, one last recruit I want to look at. Brandon mentioned the five star, Dylan Brooks, five star defensive end, the number one player in the state of Alabama. And his pro comparison, according to the two two four seven, is Bradley Chubb of the Denver Broncos, who was a first round pick in the draft. Uh and guys, this kid is everything you want in a defensive end. I mean, he's already over six five as a junior in high school. Yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know, uh, go watch the film. It sucks that, you know, this podcast is recorded, you know, remotely and everything, but I wish we could show his highlights. We cannot go look it up because he is murdering people in Roanoke, Alabama. Oh my gosh. Hold on one second. That's, I, I want to come back to him, but I need to, I need to point this out. I didn't realize that Julian Nelson was working with 230 pounds. That is a big guy. That's a big wide receiver. Yeah, I oh he's a monster. I when I said possession wide receiver, I meant possession wide receiver. Good God, yeah. He, this this kid's on the. He's like a pot. What did what did Booger McFarlane say? He said that uh, he said he's a he's a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. <laughs> what? He said that about uh, shoot, I can't remember who it was. <laughs> it's, it's an NFL wide receiver, and he, he was just getting bigger. Uh, man, I'm gonna figure out who it was. Yeah, I, I gotta take a break for a second, guys. And you know, I don't want to make y'all freak out too much, Brandon. This morning, do you know what um what player just got an influx of Tennessee crystal balls right before he's committing? Who's that? F- five star. Outside linebacker Terrence Lewis out of Hollywood, Florida, who is the number one outside linebacker, number ten player in the country. It just doesn't make sense. There's, I'm telling you, I'm going to make my way up to Knoxville as soon as quarantine's over, and we're we're shooting this documentary. It, it's got to happen. If they get him, they are jumping to number three in the rankings over Clemson and Florida. Oh my 
gosh. That's crazy. That's, so, Brett, I got to ask you. I mean, I know it's early. It's, you know, just getting into May, just about. I mean, regardless on your thoughts as Tennessee, you have to respect this, right? I mean, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, LSU all have under 10 commits, and Tennessee is at 13. Yeah, no, you definitely have to respect that. Uh, I mean, it's it's not unheard of, but it's unheard of for Tennessee. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it on our one of our last recruiting updates. When do you start worrying about these other schools? Uh, uh, it's it's getting to May now, and the summer months is where we see a lot of these commits pick up. But schools like UNC, Tennessee, Florida, Clemson, Ohio State, these teams that were like, it's okay, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, we're, they're going to catch up. Georgia's going to catch up. But a lot of these schools are favored for some of these players that typically these other schools would get. I mean, is there a time to worry, or is it just the nature that recruiting might be more even than it ever has been before? That's a good point. That's something I hadn't really, I hadn't necessarily thought of. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's a good point. I think that, especially during you know what we're facing right now, um, a lot of uncertainty and a lot of players that aren't. I mean, there are a lot of players that are committing, but there's a lot of players that aren't as well. I think, and so I think that's really affecting the recruiting cycle. Tennessee has obviously won some guys over you know, with everything going on. So props to them. Can't take anything away from them. There. Hey, don't forget Zachary Evans still might go to Tennessee, guys. It's down Which to Tennessee I, and Florida. This man's not going to play, right? He can't. I don't know if he can. I don't know when's the deadline for him to commit to be eligible. For his letter of intent to be sent in? I have no idea. You know, that's, that's definitely something we should probably look into. Yeah, uh, if anyone knows Zachary Evans, get him on the pod. He can commit on the podcast. We'll get this oh, yeah. in. But for for me, I, I am a little worried about these other schools, including Auburn. This isn't just a hate on Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Hate on Auburn, too. I mean, the, the time is ticking. Dylan Brooks was almost a lock for Alabama or Auburn. And Tennessee yeah. snatches them right out from the state of Alabama. This is – Brandon, okay, I don't – this is, I believe, the fourth straight year the number one player in the state of Alabama has went out of state. Yeah, and and I don't understand why. That's the thing. I mean, you think – I guess Alabama likes to recruit out of state as well, but you know, it's not like they're committed to recruiting strictly out of state. I mean, they go for players in Alabama. I don't know. Yeah, they do, but I mean, it's still uh, just – for me, I personally can't, you know, I, I can't understand. I mean, everyone's like, oh, well, Alabama, Auburn dominate recruiting. They, dom they dominate this. Well, this year, the top recruit, you know, went to – goes to Tennessee, right? Last year – well, actually, so they changed the rankings. So EJ Williams was the number one recruit who went to Clemson. The updated rankings, Alabama did get the number one recruit last year. But then if you think about it, the year before, George Pickens went to Georgia. Yeah. And true. so did Clay Webb. Those were the top two players in the state of Alabama. Both went to Georgia. And then the year before, Justin Ross went to Clemson. And to be fair, I mean, look at what he's doing at Clemson. I mean – Alabama and Auburn would have loved to have another shot at Justin Ross. They let that one slip oh, yeah. right out of their hand. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and not only Justin Ross, I mean, you just mentioned George Pickens. You don't think Alabama or Auburn would like to have him? You know, maybe they could have – maybe – I can almost guarantee that if he played for Bama, he wouldn't be having nearly the kind of uh, disciplinary problems he's having in Georgia. I wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but – You don't think so? I mean, I mean, we've seen multiple players from Alabama get kicked out for different things. I mean, look at the yeah, Alfonso they, they, kid who was the five-star who just had to transfer to Colorado because he couldn't get his stuff together. Right, but I mean, that's the thing. Alabama's kicking players out. Alabama's not sitting there hanging, saying, hey, you're suspended. Oh, that's fair enough. Okay, yeah, I got you. Okay, I got what you meant I mean, there. I, I think it's a different situation where they say, hey, straighten up or you're out. Well, it also is a lot easier to kick someone out when you have Jerry Judy – Waddle, Devontae Smith, uh, Ruggs. I mean, you have five potential NFL wide receivers when Georgia, you just lost 12 players off your offense that play significant time. Right. You can't afford to let him go with a new quarterback and everything like that. So, yeah, I got got your point there. I got your point there. That that was my bad. But, yeah, guys, look out for Tennessee. They have a five-star outside linebacker committee very soon, and if they get him – I, I don't know. I think I'm going to send Brandon on a top secret mission for the Blue Bloods to find out the money, to find that money trail, find that outhouse full of Mustangs. Uh, we're we're going to bust it like SMU back in the day. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm all for it. You know, I, I, I'm not saying that I want to be a detective, but it could be a pretty cool gig. <laughs> don't quit your day. Don't quit your day job, right? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Oh, <laughs> But, guys, we're going to wrap up this episode now. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in again. Uh, we got big things in the works. Look out for the announcements. Uh, probably next episode we're going to be announcing some big plans. Uh, you know, social media, guys, Twitter, at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Instagram, at the underscore Blue Bloods. Um, Facebook, at the Blue Bloods pod. Uh, YouTube, the Blue Bloods. Check out episodes on there. Uh, check out episodes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, wherever you want to listen. We're there. iHeartRadio. Just look up the Blue Bloods. Look up Blue Bloods CFB Podcasts. Um, but yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, let's see. I think we're done with brackets and everything. Um, but yeah, so. Keep tuning in. Rate the podcast, guys. Brandon's going to just lose it if someone doesn't rate the podcast soon. I am. Uh, it's, I'm on the verge of a mental breakdown already, so just know that. <laughs> uh, the draft is over, guys. Strictly costable content from now on. Um, but yeah, keep tuning in. Keep subscribing. We'll keep dropping episodes. That's how that goes. But for right now, we out. <laughs>